0: Hey, everyone. Rob here. Just real quick note on this week's show. We'll be talking about a song that has some explicit lyrics. Since I have no idea how to mess with my RSS feed to make this episode show up as explicit rather than clean, I just wanted to give you this heads up uh, before you start listening to the episode that we will be discussing the lyrics as they are written because this is about the song and it's really hard to talk about a song without lyrics. So if you would rather not hear any explicit lyrics or or if you are listening with younger folks in your car or near your uh, iPod or listening to our MP3 player uh, you might want to uh, skip this one or you might want to screen it before you know playing it with with younger folks all right and with that on with what i think is a very good show burn hollywood burn i smell a ride First they're guilty, now they're gone Yeah, I'll check out a movie But it'll take a black one to move me Get me the hell away from this TV All this news and views are beneath me So all I hear about is shots ringing out About gangs putting each other's head out So I'd rather kick some slang out Alright fellas, let's go hang out Hollywood oh, or would they not Make us all as bad like I know they had some things i never forget. Yeah, so step best this shit. For all the years we looked like clowns, the joke is over. Smoke from all around. Welcome to "They're Playing Our Song," the podcast where your song becomes our song. I'm your host, Robert Perry Cruz, and with me is a returning very special guest, Christian Morosky. How you
1: doing, Christian? I'm doing really well tonight. Thank you, Rob.
0: Excellent. So tonight we're going to be talking about "Burn Hollywood, Burn." By Public Enemy from their 1990 album *Fear of a Black Planet*. Now, Christian, uh, I was—I know when I put out the call for does anyone have any hip hop songs they'd like to talk about—and and you 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 wrote me immediately and said you had two op, two options. Uh, I'd never heard really much Public Enemy, so I said, "Oh, let's do that one. That's that'll be that'll be cool." Uh, are you a big Public Enemy fan? Just a uh, just this song?
1: I know I'm. Uh, <laughs> Can I say that I'm a big Public Enemy fan without without admitting to uh, – without having to also stipulate that I know a lot about Public Enemy? Um, th- this is the first group that I really fell in love with as far as hip-hop is concerned, um, and that was mainly because of that particular time in my life in 1989, 1990, when they were really starting to blow up in my particular world um, – I don't know hip-hop particularly well, but Public Enemy really grabbed on to me, mainly because of Chuck D's voice. I mean, literally, the way his mm-hmm. voice sounds. Uh, and and then all the other things about the group, uh, all the political tor- turmoil and all, I, I started to kind of understand some of those things. But really, Rob, it was just... This is one of the one of the first songs after Bring the Noise that I heard that a friend of mine introduced me to. That's like you got to listen to this. It, these are three MCs doing one song at, at once. This has not been happening, and it just was like, oh, I don't know it. I don't know hip hop, and because I was already into movies, this this song just kind of expanded my brain. Excellent.
0: All right, and you know, I don't think uh, I, I certainly have the mindset that that one does not have to like an entire band's catalog or an entire genre of music to appreciate an artist or an album from that. And and I I think that adds something, you know, certainly I know for me, I just want to talk about the genres I know the most about, but if I just listened to those songs, I'd eventually get bored or I would just become like really old, really fast. Like, Oh, I only want to listen to the oldies station, which is, you know, the early nineties. And, Oh, that just gets so sad. Like, i remember my mom uh you know oh what i don't listen to that music i don't listen to music and really promising i'm never going to be like that i'm never going to only remember a couple songs from when i was you know 20 and it's it's very easy to do i never realized how easy (laughs) uh so let's get let's get into burn hollywood burn now um was this an album you owned, or you just you just kind of heard it from friends? Did you pick it up afterwards?
1: Uh, I picked it up much later. I mean, I only have two Public Enemy. I've got it takes nations of uh, it takes the nation of millions to hold us back, and I've got um, fear of a black planet. Those are the two mm. that I have, uh, mm. and I got them later. But it was after a friend uh, in college, one of my roommates, introduced me to um, this particular song, and this was after we had seen. Um, uh, do the right thing. And, mm-hmm. uh, he's like, well, you, you, you kind of got to get an understanding of where this group is coming from to find out, you know, what Spike Lee is talking about in this movie and why he's using, you know, this particular song, Fight the Power, as a motif for the movie. You kind of have mm-hmm. to understand kind of a little bit more about the band. And he, he knew hip hop much better than I did, obviously. And so he said, here, here's a, here's a good starter. Um, and this is why this song matters. And so he played burn Hollywood burn for me and it immediately just, I don't know. There's some songs that when you hear the groove, it just hits you in the right way. And, um, the way this song hit me, uh, especially the big daddy Kane part, the way that the rhymes work in this song and the way that the the lyrics kind of space out. I was like, Oh my gosh. Okay. I get this. Um, and this is the first time that this happened to me. And then actually listening to the lyrics and understanding what was going on in 1989, uh, mm-hmm. as far as movies are concerned, it made it mean a lot more to me. So, But it, but yeah, I'm sorry to run around and around and around. That's the point of the show,
0: Chris. Yeah, yeah, don't worry. I know.
1: Um, you have to understand, I'm, I'm a little bit breathless here because I just got back from uh, watching a movie that I really, really liked. So I'm really hyped up right now. And mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm always excited after that, but I'm also nervous about talking about an area of music that I don't really know that well. But I'm really excited to talk about because I mm-hmm. love I really do love Public Enemy. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I love the way they sound, but it also makes me nervous. And this is something that we talked about on an earlier show because there are things about the artist that are somewhat difficult, very difficult to deal with. Um, mm-hmm. Because of all their controversy. So mm-hmm. you can like an artist and not like the things that are controversial about them. You can sign on for some things and not for others. Um, so, you know, it was just really just finding that first song that really got me hooked. Mm-hmm. And it was so, Hollywood Burn that did it.
0: Yeah. It's, I, I, it's it's really it's it's catchy hooks. I mean, it's kind of a, the same sort of the you know, baseline. I was trying to figure out where it came from. I can find a list of some of the songs they sampled, but I get the sense of I don't know if it's a song or like a siren sound effect that just keeps playing throughout the song. I mean, do you know or do you know what I'm talking about? When it, it just it just feels like it's this repeating siren, you know, almost like Hollywood is burning and they got the the emergency vehicles out. You know, I even though I know it's a metaphor, you know, it's not really about. Yeah, a literal
1: fire, but... Well, uh, uh, when you're you're trying to figure out where some of the samples come from for uh, anything from Fear of Black Planet, good luck. I mean, you're talking about (laughs) dozens upon dozens upon dozens of samples. I mean, this album is one of those albums that is just sample-driven, and this is before that time when you had to... um, uh, what's the word, when you had to really worry about licensing uh, mm-hmm. as far as sampling is concerned. I mean, if they had had to license this album and all the things that they did in it, I mean, it would have cost them millions upon millions of dollars to, mm-hmm. to do any of the sampling. But this album is all sampling. It's like a collage in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I know exactly what you're talking about. And some of the things in this song are things that would normally drive me up the wall, things that I wouldn't like that sort of whistle sound is is something that when i hear in a rap song or a hip hop song makes me turn off that like weird mm-hmm. like somebody's standing off to the side like in the coach but just somebody's like bl- blowing a whistle it's mm-hmm. weird and that siren thing should be annoying to me um but because i be, because it works within the context of the song especially in the ice cube part of the song where he's talking about uh, the whole thing about being pulled over, um, yeah. it makes sense to me. So I, I can't really answer your question as far as where the specific samples come from because the samples in, again, in the whole album, it's just this wall of sonic noise of samples that that kind of works around the voices in the song, in the songs, mm-hmm. the, the various voices in the songs. It's, it's really hard mm-hmm. to answer that question, Rob. Oh, uh, I'm
0: now. Are you one of those folks like when you've listened to an album a million times? Like I think I'm this way with Paul's Boutique, which I've heard a lot more. When I'll be listening and I'll hear a song, and it'll be the original song. I'm like, wait a minute, that's where that sound is from. You know that like boom, but like those two notes, like oh my god, it's from that. It's 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 this fun like sample epiphany. Did, you ever, did that ever happen?
1: Yeah, that actually just happened to me a lot, and it actually happened to me this week when I was listening to the whole album again, and then mm-hmm. listening to uh "It Takes Nations," that takes a nation a million souls back again. Um, it, I was hearing things that they were sampling from their earlier work, and oh, wow. on this on this album, because it's been a while since I've listened to the whole album. Mm. Um, and it was really kind of fun to do that, actually, to get ready for this, to listen to all of of Black Planet again. Um, it's kind of a chore sometimes, uh, mm-hmm. because of the repetitive nature of it and the the way that they're kind of I don't know, writing a novel in music form. I don't know what they're quite doing. Uh, mm-hmm. It's hard for me to to speak to that, but uh, but yeah, I'm very much like that. I'm very much like oh wait, is that a part of but but the music moves so quickly and mm. that you don't have, you almost don't have time to take that mental note before the next thing comes up that you need to make, take a mental note of. So there's like one moment where I was like, "Oh wait, that's from Bring the Noise." They they're quoting Bring the Noise in this song, um, and it made me totally excited to hear that. Unfortunately, I was driving in the car, and there's no way for me to take that note down. You know, <laughs> and then it goes by like like you know like wind down the freeway. You're just like, oh. Well, I missed that. Yeah, uh, and that's well, that's what's kind of so exciting about this uh, about listening to this album is that there's there's so much depth to it. It's it's it, you know on the surface there might be that sort of weird like and not just the song but through the through the whole album there's this weird like there might be the weird siren sounds or the whistle sounds that might be off putting, but there's so mm-hmm. many different bits of, of of other parts of media that are pulled in and pulled out and and it's almost like this this um I don't know this uh oh my gosh whats what's the word I'm looking for this this live art piece <laughs> like the 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 that, you, that you're experiencing as, as you listen to it, like actors might be used for this. And this is a this is a bit from an interview that Chuck D did. And this is a whole mm-hmm. bunch of interviews that Chuck D did. And this this is a whole thing that this is an actor doing something. This is just a bit of like just found noise that they did. This is just uh, Terminator X doing something over here. I mean, there's so many different things going on that it's it's a dizzying. Even after many times of listening to it, it's still dizzying.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a good feeling. That's nice to be able to have something that you, that you heard at least, you know, m- much of the album back when it was originally released and to come back to it now and then be able to say, "Nope, still like this, even the stuff that is not, you know, I clearly there's an objective like eh, I don't know if that's my favorite, but you can still <laughs> get into it and still still pull you back in." That's good. I feel like a lot of my albums sort of fall by the wayside like, "Ooh, I don't need to listen to that one ever again." So <laughs> it's it's good to have the classics, right?
1: It's not only that it's good, and this is much praise to you, Rob. This is much mm-hmm. praise to your show. Is that? Thank you. It um it makes you go back to something that you love and that you haven't seen or listened to in a while, and then look at it with new eyes. You know, to prepare to do a show like this, you, you listen to something again and again and again. And this isn't—I haven't listened to this in a long time. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, burn Hollywood, burn the track itself. One of my favorite things, I mean, I can just, I can do it from memory any time, just like bring the noise I can. I love, I just love the way the voice sounds. I love, mm-hmm. the, I love the lyrics, I love the structure of it, whatever it's saying. But to listen to the album as a whole, which is something of a lost art, um, there's a few albums that I really love as whole things, like as a, as, a, as an entity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a real gift. Yeah. I mean, it's really cool to be able to go back and go, all right, let me take this off the shelf. Let me open up the liner notes, look at it. Mm. Let me listen to this whole thing and go, oh, yeah, damn, I forgot that. So, yeah, mm. that's a real gift.
0: Now, was the whole album, I mean, because I, I really listened just to the song, but, you know, I, I did a little, you know, I, I always do a little bit of reading about the the album itself. You know, w- was there something special about the album, the song's place on the album? And kind of the the consensus I got was that a lot of the album had to do with, uh, with race in media or the way that media portrayed the African-American, you know, African-Americans. I mean, this song specifically in movies, but would w- would you say that's true about the rest of the album? Does it have kind of a, a, a perception focus or a focus on, you know, how does the world perceive, uh, you know, the black community at that point in time? Oh, yeah, yeah, it definitely does. I, I totally agree with
1: that. I mean, even you referenced Welcome to the Terror Dome, and that's, mm-hmm. that's In part, I think if memory serves, a reaction to the whole thing about Griff being dismissed because of his anti-Semitic remarks, and -hmm. and that whole thing about how you know something you say can be totally blown out of proportion and destroy your life. And I'm not saying that what Griff said was blown out of proportion in any way, but I think that's Mm -hmm. but I think that's what they were writing about and so i think that the that the album has a lot of that has a lot of that sense and it's it's structured a lot as far as media is concerned because in the very beginning of the album you've got this whole sense of these different um interviews that they that Chuck D did i think i think that's in mm-hmm. uh um gosh, what's the name of it it's a uh, i think it's in, incident at 66.6 mm-hmm. um where he's just stringing together a bunch of interviews where he said a bunch of stuff um, so I think you're. I think you know whatever you read about that is is right on the money. And I think that Burn Hollywood Burn falls right into that. And um, you know I find Burn Hollywood Burn more in the cinematic reason rather than the media reason. But cinema is part of media.
0: Mm. So you I know you, you spoke about certainly the kind of the, this not exactly speed. I don't think speed was the word the word you used. But there's kind of a like a, a tempo a velocity to the you know Chuck D and and Public Enemy songs as a whole. I mean this is a tight two four two minutes 45 forty seven second song. I remember yeah. thinking this is so short and it, <laughs> it it packs a hell of a lot in. I mean not only was it you know really entertaining to hear the the sampling the vocal work from you know Chuck D and uh, Ice Cube and and Big Daddy Kane and then it really got me you know I, I know that it sounds cliche but it really got me thinking. I mean I I started kind of deep diving on you know, is it, wow, you know, is this still true? You know, I, it was true back then. I wonder if it's true now. It's sort of researching, you know, uh, black roles from 89 to now. and has that, ch- and, you know, and man, in two minutes, 47 seconds, most songs I, I don't research jack and they give be seven minutes long. <laughs>
1: well, what's funny for me is that, uh, you know, when you put out the the bat signal for, hey, does anybody want to talk about hip hop? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about this if if you can't get anybody else to talk. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, because I really just love this song. I just love the song, no matter what the uh, message is. The message mm-hmm. the message has other meanings for me
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, as a developing lover of cinema and just as somebody who was growing up at the time in 1989, 1990. It mm-hmm. has other meanings for me, but just as a song, I just, I don't know. There's just some songs you just love. You just, you know, I can't explain it. When that yeah. when that thing starts, you're just like, yeah, okay, yeah, I got this. Oh man, yeah, I got this. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was totally like, oh god. And and so I was like, yeah, these are the two songs I would like to do, Rob. You pick one of them. As far as this is concerned, <laughs> what I was thinking of, and this is totally weird, is that there was a huge controversy this year at the Oscars. About, yes, nobody, yeah. no person of color being nominated. And mm-hmm. so this song, when I decided to do, you know, when I just said, Hey, Rob, this is one of the songs I want to do. And you're like, Yeah, you're booked. I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, this just happened again. And then I had mm-hmm. seen another video on the internet just before that about Asian actors, um, you know, through the years and, and how that hasn't changed and, and whether or not the things in the song have changed overall. The song is more about perception and about um, what you are seeing about your culture and those Mm -hmm. types of things. And just going through that thing that we just went through where there were a bunch of people thinking, should um, Chris Rock boycott the Oscars? Should Will Smith boycott the Oscars? Should these people boycott the Oscars? And this is a song from 1989, Mm-hmm. on an album, well, rather from, I, I always think of 1989 just because of the lyric from Fight to Power. But it's, mm-hmm. you know, the album's from 1990, this is from 1990, and we're still talking about this stuff now, and there's still people dismissing it in the same way they dismissed it then. So I think it's it's got a huge amount of pertinence, whether or not, you know, there's a lyric in the song that says, you know, they, um, she'll only get to play Aunt Jemima, but she doesn't get to play a lawyer. Um mm-hmm. that certainly has changed. I mean that certainly has changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's weird to look at it like as two parts of this arc. You know, look at this song when it was made and look at the Oscars when they came out and then and the and the uproar and how that feels. Um uh, mm-hmm. I th- I just find that fascinating.
0: The other the well the other article I was looking at, it was a there was a Huffington Post article from uh, I forget which year. When was Twelve Years a Slave? Was that was that two years ago? Was that last year? Oh, good lord.
1: Uh, it was. a couple I don't know. It might
0: have been. Three. It was a little. It wasn't too long ago. Yeah. It wasn't too long ago. Um, and you. Yeah, I remember. Because I know you guys talked about it on your show. You. You, you did like. You like Twelve Years a Slave, right?
1: No, no. I was. I was oh, you not didn't like it. Into it. No, I felt. Okay. I was very much uh turned off by head. I felt like it was very much like. Uh, an exercise in white guilt, even though it was made by you know Steve McQueen, who is not a white director. Mm-hmm. It, it felt like the praise for that movie was very much an exercise in white guilt. And I was in the minority on that. I, I totally mm-hmm. accept that.
0: I, I did not have a chance to see it. And um, I was kind of worried I might feel the same way that, that, that you felt. Uh, but, but the article talked about the fact that even though there have been a lot of African-American actors who have been nominated for Oscars, Best Supporting Actor, Best Actor almost none of them were uh, were playing, you know, just a part. They were almost all playing historical figures. So they, they, the part had to be African-American, so it wasn't quite the same as if, hey, I cast Will Smith to be, you know, this character in a drama, and he was nominated for an Academy Award or was appreciated for, for his performance. It was this this performance was great, but the character had to be black because, well, it was a – it was a it was a biopic, or it was a you know historical document. So it it, it really was it, as much as there have been have been more uh, well known actors uh, of color. They haven't necessarily been for movies where they just did a great job in a role, or it wasn't a representative of of, of society as a whole. It was just oh here's you played you know. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. or you played, um, I you know the the character from Twelve Years a Slave, you know that was a historical figure, uh, and it, and it kind of made me think, especially listening to the song, about have things really improved uh, as, as Chuck D and and as everyone you know the other MCs on the song, you know, really really wanted them to, or really felt like they 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 failed,
1: you know, Hollywood had failed them, right. You know, as as you talk about that, it's I think it's telling that I I start to think about you know my um, the way my brain works. I start to think about well, let me try to think of black actors who've won awards, um, mm-hmm. and and that I can immediately think okay, well, there's Halle Berry. What part was she playing? Um, there's Cuba Gooding Jr. What part was he playing? And, and that I can actually single them out, and mm-hmm. is you know part of the thing. Um, one of the things I was thinking of in, in, in watching this video earlier this week, um, where, where it was somebody talking about Asian, the way Asian actors, or the way Asian characters have been portrayed through the years by, uh, you know, in caricatures by, you know, people like Marlon Brando or Mickey Rooney or whomever. Um, and, and what I was trying to wrap my head around, Rob, is this, mm-hmm. this, the objection was, okay, white people are playing Asian parts, why is that happening? Mm-hmm. Uh, and my, you know, white brain was going, well, why can't white actors play that? Don't you want an Asian actor to play any part? Mm-hmm. Um, which is ultimately what you kind of want to wind up with is what you're talking about. I mean, you know, shouldn't an Asian actor, Hispanic actor, black actor, a white actor be able to play any part and just be able to be, this is the part that they're playing. They're not just playing, you know, Denzel Washington playing a guy in glory. And that's why he wins the award because he's playing somebody historically that would have been black. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this, this song, listening to this song again, kind of again had to break me of this. And this is something that has to happen every now and then is the idea. Well, we're not, we're just not there yet. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we, we want to get there, <laughs> um, but can a black man play Abraham Lincoln? You know, mm-hmm. you know, can a white man play Michael Jackson and not be criticized for it? Well, no, we're not there yet. Can a black man play Abraham Lincoln? Well, why aren't we there yet? Mm-hmm. Can an Asian woman, you know, play Margaret Thatcher? Why aren't we there yet? Mm-hmm.
0: You know, we're well, we're not even at. Can a black man play Spider Man without? without it being a huge internet uproar of, oh, no, you can't have That's not even a real person. <laughs> right, right. so made-up character. He could be anyone.
1: So I think that while, you know, I think that if you look at what was going on at the time this song was, was written, things have definitely changed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's not the time of, you know, I don't know. If, did you ever see the movie uh, How, uh, Hollywood Shuffle?
0: I heard of it spoken on "I Love the 80s way back when, okay. so I I know of it, but that's a, that's about all I know.
1: <laughs> okay, well I think we're beyond that point. It's, I mean, it's a brilliant movie for mm-hmm. understanding what was going, what you know, what classically Hollywood has done. I think we're beyond that point, but I don't think we're fully beyond that point, you know, given especially what happened this year with the uh, controversy at the Oscars. But you've got mm-hmm. some of the biggest box office stars in the world who are also African-American black people. I I mean, I, I, you know, we're going to have to use some language on this podcast that, that we'll go about, you know, back and forth. I'm I'm not worried about that. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So things have definitely changed, but how far have they changed? It was just interesting to me to choose this song and then think about the fact, oh my gosh, we just went through this controversy again. Um, And it's not just a controversy without a meaning. it's not, you know, people crying victim. It's, there's a reason for these things. We're not there yet. We are not. We haven't gotten there yet.
0: Mm-hmm. I think, you know, one of the early lyrics in, in the song, when Chuck D is talking about, um, I mean, I'm going to pull it up real quick so I, I say it correctly. Go ahead. It, it was, uh, yeah, I'll check out a movie, but it'll take a black one to move me. And it kind of got me thinking about what were, you know, what what would that be? You know, what would, you know, the quote unquote black movie that that moves Chuck D be? Would it be something like some of the movies that were coming out uh, around that time? So I think Boys in the Hood was around that time. And that was sort of one of the kind of the earlier kind of like gang movies. But, you know, with a lot of actors who then went on to be you know huge later on, would that be considered you know a movie that moved him or would it just be like well of course the only movies they're making about black people now it's not about oh you're going to play the slave or the maid or the butler like they talk about in the song but well now as far as white america knows now black people are gangsters so let's make gangster movies like would that would that be a reflection of some of the changes going on you know the 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 emergence of gangster rap or would it just be well this is just another example of white hollywood Latching on and giving you know the African American community a role to play in the in the movies, and that really made me think about what is you know what what sort of you know the 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 quote unquote black movie he's talking about versus just another generation of well this is what black people are like so let's make movies you know focusing on that for the wide audience you and know and, and I have no I have absolutely no answer to that. Um, well, I think
1: I, I think I kind of do actually. And I've been, okay, I've been thinking about this a whole lot. Because he taught, he they reference a, a few different movies, in in the course of this song, and and I remember going through that. I remember being in that particular period in my life, and then ten and you know five ten years later, and then now. Um, and I think it's more. Let me let me okay. Did you ever see uh, Malcolm X? Did you ever see the Malcolm X movie that Spike Lee did?
0: No, I mean I, I've seen clips from it, and certainly seen like you know some of Denzel Denzel Washington's performance from it, but not the
1: whole movie. no? okay, there's, there's this moment where um he's uh, like putting he's he's he and his friend he's putting lye in his hair in order to straighten it out, and he mm-hmm. does this line where he says does it look does it look white? Um, and, and this is sort of a poor way of saying that I think. Um, it'll take a black one to movies. It's just about menace to society or boys in the hood or even do the right thing. It's just the sense of if you're um, a minority growing up in the country at that time, what are you seeing in popular society that reflects you? Mm. Just in the normal, everyday kind of a thing. Because, you know, every sitcom, every like bit of, you know, most things that you're seeing are white things. Mm-hmm. um so there's precious few things that you can turn to to say oh that's that's a black experience it's not just like drug dealers it's not it's not just prostitutes it's not this this white idea of what black america is it's just here's a here's a black family living you know maybe mm-hmm. the Cosby family was that i don't know um mm-hmm. but but it'll take a black one to move me makes me think of can I go to the movies and see a black experience? Just a black family Mm -hmm. being a black family. Just, you know, one of the things he says, like, I don't want any of the Steel Magnolias shit, which isn't, (laughs) which isn't isn't particularly a racist movie. I mean, Mm. I mean, the Driving Miss Daisy thing is a whole other thing because it's related directly to do the right thing. But if you talk about Steel Magnolias, which was the same year, you're just talking about a bunch of white people doing white people things. Mm. And, so it'll take a black one to move me. I think it's more about, well, you know, I am hunger. I am hungering. I'm thirsting for, you know, let me see something that shows my experience. I mean, he later on talks, like, you know, I, I got Black Caesar back at the crib. Man, this is I, we could have rolled from the beginning. I mean, mm-hmm. Black Caesar is a black exploitation film by Larry Cohen, um, which mm-hmm. is basically like the, the, is considered sort of the black godfather, sort of a, a remake of... um of uh, oh, what is it? Little Caesar, Young Caesar. I forget what the the original movie was. Mm. Um, uh, but it's a remake of that, and it's, but it's still black blaxploit- exploitation, and they would rather settle for that. But that's mm. still not that whole. It'll take a black one to move me thing. I think is really more of a, of a. You know, let's have our Seinfeld. Let's have our let's have our thing that we can sit down and watch. Let's have our Walking Dead. Let's have something that we can go to every week. Let's have mm-hmm. something that I can go out to the movies and see. This is this is a black thing. Um, I think that's what he's saying when he says it'll take a black one to move me, not just something mm-hmm. that's militant. Even even though Public Enemy's message is largely largely militant in a lot of ways. For me, my interpretation of that is. You know, give me something where I just see some black faces or some some black experience going on. Mm-hmm. So, when it comes down to that, d- does that, you know, I mean,
0: you clearly understand the message of the song and have really thought about it, but to some extent, does that make that almost an unknowable, you know, you can understand, like, you know what, Chuck D, you're right, uh, Hollywood is not appreciative of the different voices in the country and needs to be respectful of that, but... As you did not grow up as an African American in any way whatsoever, in terms of, I mean, maybe, but maybe you did. Maybe your life was very similar to, uh, you know, another family that was black, and maybe it wasn't. But is that almost an unknowable of what that would be, you know, to some extent, you know, not having that same experience, or do you feel that potentially it could be, you know, some sort of movie that that, that covers all grounds or that, that is 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 great for everyone?
1: I, you know, does it, does that exist? You know, I don't know that it does. I, I think it's I, for me. I think that, that that at this point it's it's frustration and and sort of an inchoate sort of reaching out for I want more. You know, mm. because what that early part of the song is talking about is 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 him saying uh, I'm done with all these images of us on TV. You know, mm. TV showing. Disproportionate amount of crime that we're doing that the research doesn't show or whatever. I'm, mm. I'm sick of this. Let me get away from this. Let me get away from these images on TV of gangs and and all these people shooting each other. Let me go out to the movies. All right. And so his friends are saying, Hey, let's all go out to the movies. i was like, You know, I just I'm not going to waste my money on these other movies. You better you guys better be bringing me something good because he wants mm-hmm. to get away from that. Um, and I think it's more of a of him. I think him reaching out for something that, let me find something else. I
0: mean, mm-hmm. this is
1: what I'm seeing in popular media. This is what's happening, you know, when we're cruising through Hollywood late at night. These are the things that we're actually seeing in many movies. Um, Hollywood, or would they not make us all look bad like I know they had? Because of mm-hmm. the whole thing that we haven't talked about yet with the way that – uh uh to use the word in it, that is used in the word that we that Negroes are 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 shown in films and the roles mm-hmm. they get to play um, servants that shuffle a little bit and sing you know that kind of thing well let me reach out for something I think I think the song is really reaching out for that is really saying what else is there and mm-hmm. if we can't find something else like a, like a dead forest that's burning down. <laughs> and I don't think it's talking about literal burning. I mean, this isn't necessarily talking about riots or anything. Mm. Um, but it's talking about this this dream of something else. Is there something else I can reach for that you can that, that that is out there? What else is out there and and do I have to create it? And then later in the song what actually happens is, well then let's make our own movies like Spike Lee. You know, mm. Spike Lee is working kind of outside the system at that time. Let's make our own movies then. If if mm. if the fact is that we're not going to see the faces we want to see and the things we want to see. Then let's make our own movies. Let's do it. It seems to mm-hmm. be that the song kind of comes around to something of a solution, but I think it's reaching at that point.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's, I mean, it
0: sort of struck me as very sad the the idea of you know the, the sense of, at least of of, of Chuck D, and, and I kind of want to get into the voices of the MCs in a minute, but that to create the stories that he he feels are just totally absent in Hollywood, almost the sense of, you know, what would be easier than, you know, well, you know, hey, you know, we have, you know, more, you know, more people from different environments going to college. Maybe they could become executives in a movie theater. The easiest way to, you know, over the years, it just seems impossible. Even with even with all those changes, you know, even with positive changes about, you know, and more diversity in, you know, different institutions, it seems like, you know, it would probably just, be easier to start fresh like i don't know if it's even feasible before i'm dead to see hey the head of the studios are all you know all from these you know different different walks of life and they're helping get produced these different types of movies or movies that are talking about experiences that are are absent right now and and uh, that just struck me as as is really sad and almost uh not not quite hopeless but 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 certainly very pessimistic about the chances of that happening anytime soon.
1: That's a, that's certainly a, a really basic tension in a lot of what's going on, even within this song and within, um, the, 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 internal politics of this song. I mean, you, you look at what Ice Cube is saying in that last part of his rhyme, where he's like, you know, getting pulled, uh, don't fight the power, and then you hear a gunshot, the motherfucker. I mean, he's mm-hmm. talking about he's talking about a specific lyric, "Fight the Power,"
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is a you know you have got to think of it sort of as a spectrum. Um, we're not just talking about whether it's Martin Luther King or Malcolm X, and which which one are you going to follow? Um, mm-hmm. Which one, you know, Nation of Islam, or are we going to go with nonviolence like Gandhi? Um, Ice Cube is within this lyric, putting in <laughs> "Fight the Power." I mean, he's talking about getting pulled to the curb, being treated like a sucker, don't fight the power, and there's a gunshot, motherfucker. And he's like, shoot the motherfucker. Um, yeah. then again, you know, I'm talking about the lyric, you know, I'm using this language, again, I apologize for using this language, but it's within the, the structure of the lyric.
0: Um, that's
1: fine. yeah, that's fine. Okay. Um, in, and so the, the, the difficulty is exactly kind of what you're talking about. Do we, do we burn it down? Do we just be violent? Do we use violence or the threat of violence in order to get what we want? And then you look, I mean, you can talk about where Ice Cube's career goes later on and the different roles he plays and whatever. I mean, that's kind of a separate thing. But then the structure of this song is its this idea of exactly what you said. What do we do? Do we work within the system? Because that's not working. Do we burn it all down? Because what's that going to get us? Is there some sort of middle ground? How do we do it? Mm. You know? And I think this this song is more talking about, you know, this is the way it is right now. What do we do? And I think that part of the answer is, well, then let's just do our own thing. Mm-hmm.
0: You you spoke earlier, Christian, about Chuck D's Chuck D's voice. It, now, when you when you talk about loving his voice, is it like the tone of his voice, his his style as a rapper?
1: What is it about Chuck D that that really appeals to you? Um. First and foremost, it just Rob the sound of his voice. <laughs> it just hit me on a gut level the first time I heard it. The first time I heard um, him say uh, the word in um, Bring the Noise, bass, how low can you go? Just the way he says the word bass, that <laughs> word. I mean, he's. I think. I guess you would. I don't. I guess you would call him a baritone, maybe a bass. I don't know which. I don't know where you would put his register. Um, he's got a pretty good register, but he's just got. Oh my God, he's just got one of these voices that you're like, yeah, I could hear him read the phone book. It's kind of like, you know, I used to run this Oscar contest with my friends, Mm -hmm. where I would send like Oscar ballots out to all my friends. It was kind of like based out of frustration about constantly being disappointed at who the Oscars were choosing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, all right, you guys choose who you want to choose, and we're gonna vote, and I'll give a prize out of it every year. One of my friends uh, sent back one of his ballots, and it was the year that uh, Iron Giant was on there, and mm-hmm. he's like, um, I'm giving Iron Giant an award because um, I I would like to hear Vin Diesel read the phone book because it, you know, <laughs> it, it, you know, it would be crass, but it, it made him want to uh, do certain things. It, it, <laughs> uh, it just is like, yeah, Vin Diesel's voice gives me a bar. I'm like, all right, fine. <laughs> um, Chuck D, when he talks, just his voice just has this register. And, mm-hmm. and that first time I heard bass, how low can you go, death row, what a brother, no. When I was like, oh, I said, who's this? Oh, my gosh. Um, so it's it's literally, Rob, his voice. Mm-hmm. It's It's the sound of his voice. It's the weight of his voice. And you can even hear him in interviews talk, and every now and then he just has this thing that he does with his voice. And it's just natural for him because that's his voice that, mm-hmm. for me, just resonates. I mean, literally and figuratively, it resonates. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't agree with all the things that the guy says, but physically, I love the way his voice sounds. So when you hear burn, Hollywood burn, I smell a riot going on, and it's that voice saying, oh, my gosh it just makes me it just draws me it's like a magnet mm-hmm. you're having mentioned that i tried to to
0: really pay attention to to his voice and you know there is something very just something something really great about it very listenable it it almost had like a tactile quality you know almost that there was there was a stickiness to it that that that, drew, that really drew me in it's very hard to describe a <laughs> describe a voice exactly but it, it just it felt it felt tangible Mm -hmm. the way he was, the way he was, he was, he was rhyming very different than ice cube or big daddy Kane who are both, you know, I I don't know as much big daddy Kane, but you know, ice cube, uh, especially, you know, knowing some of his work from, from NWA is just, it's very, it's very smooth. And I just love his delivery. And it's, it's really, you know, pulls me in, but in a very, in a very different way than Chuck D's, you know, first, first verse when he takes the first verse
1: there. Yeah. You, I love the way you put that. By the way, you saying it sounds tactile. That is really well put. Um, and what was weird for me listening to this song over and over again this week, which I've been doing, um, is that I started to fall for Big Daddy Kane's voice even more. But I think that mm-hmm. might be the way he he goes over. There's a couple of weird, difficult um, lines that that they that they do that Big Daddy Kane really gets through in this beautiful way that made me fall Mm. for his voice uh, in a different way. Um, Ice Cube's voice is kind of in this, in this harder upper or not upper register, but higher register. But the way you say that, uh, the way you describe uh, Chuck D's tactile sound to his voice or that quality uh, Mm. kind of nails it for me. It just, it sucks me in and, um, man, that's why I said that to you in my emails, that this guy's voice, it's just the physical voice does something for me. So
0: I know one of the things that, that I'm always impressed by is when you have multiple artists in one song, not just the physical sound of their voice, but I feel like the content really switches between lyrics. It's all around the theme, the burn, Hollywood burn, and the, the sense of, you know, the the, the racial attitude of, of Hollywood at the time. But I found it very cool to see how this is, you know, this is Chuck D's take on it. This is Ice Cube's take on it. This is Big Daddy Kane's on it. You know, Ice Cube's being very much all, all, almost coming just from, you know, the, the, the themes from, from uh, Straight Outta Compton. You know, the idea of, yeah, you go to Hollywood, and it's not so much the movies I'm worried about, it's, whether I'm gonna get pulled over because I'm just physically not supposed to be there because of who I am and what I look like. Whereas I think Chuck D and, and Big Daddy Kane are more, more on the specific the specifics of movies and 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 cinema. Did that did do you get any sense of that or or Oh yeah
1: I think you're spot on on this. Um because I think that Ice Cube was also going through his breakup uh with NWA at the time. And mm-hmm. and that's why his first line is Ice Cube is down with the P. Um, and you know th- this this song was kind of thrown together. I think, gosh, I can't remember now that that just I think one of them it might have even been Ice Cube who said in an interview, yeah, I'm going to do this thing with we'll Check Day, or we're all going to do this thing together. And then everybody's like, oh crap, um, because mm-hmm. getting these three MCs together and getting all the rights cleared was really not easy. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, But I think that Ice Cube is very much still stinging from whatever he's going through for with NWA, and I think that you know that you know I think that Chuck D was kind of having to deal with all right how am I gonna how am I gonna write this thing super fast how am I gonna deal with uh, the way Ice Cube uses words, especially the word bitch. Uh, Mm -hmm. which, uh, interestingly enough, in in my CD when I broke it out again this week and looked through all the lyrics and everything, (laughs) this is so weird. Looking through the lyrics of Burn Hollywood Burn, um, let me just look. It's super hard to see because they're super small, but it says, um, uh, now every single B blank C-H, B blank blank C-H want to see me. And now every other word in the song, whether it be, um, motherfucker or nigger, is right here. It's written right mm-hmm. here. But B blank blank CH is mm-hmm. very clearly blanked out. And I think Chuck D was nervous about that because he's like, he's. I think he was thinking that's really not what this song is about. Mm-hmm. But he really wanted to have that voice. Um, yeah. And he wanted the three of them to be together, and it was kind of a plan. And it was kind of actually, they were kind of forced into war because, Somebody said, we're going to do this, and it's like, all right, we're going to do this. I'm going to make it all work. Mm. Um, so you're, I think you're absolutely right that the, that Big Daddy Kane and um, Chuck D have, like, the the bookends of, this is the message of the song, and then Ice Cube is almost playing a bridge.
0: Mm. Oh, I, like, I, like, yeah, I like that idea of, of the bridge. You know, Chuck D doesn't even want to go to Hollywood because there's nothing worth seeing, but, oh, well, his friends want to go see a movie, and then... Ice Cube's just, you know, driving around worried when he's going to get pulled over and he's going to get smashed into the curb for being a black man driving around, you know, the fancy parts of Hollywood. And I don't know, I, is that what Hollywood's like? I've only been to L.A. once. Is, <laughs> is it like a, fancy, <laughs> is like a fancy Hollywood part? <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> I don't know. I only think of Hollywood as somewhat touristy and crappy. Um, okay. Even though I've been, you know, I mean, that's kind of unfair to say, and it's gotten cleaned up in the way that Times Square is cleaned up. Um but in 1989, that certainly – I can see that – I'm not saying that Ice Cube's experience there isn't true. I'm sure that is true, that red and blue lights sort were of a common sight is something that is absolutely true. And so I I kind of like this idea of, like, we're talking about movies. Well, this is what happens when I go to Hollywood. Okay, let's talk about movies a little bit more, okay? And then they all go to the movies, and that's what happens. You know, they, they end up having to see Driving with Stacey. <laughs>
0: And then Flav of Flav is somewhere getting auditioned to play some sort of, you know, butlery kind of this role. Yeah, I, I know, forgot. I forgot he was in the he was in the group until he he came on right at the end. I was like, oh yeah, that's where you're from. Well, he's gotten to be such a joke,
1: you know, because of the reality show he did and the later problems that he had. Um, uh, and he was also you know kind of seen in the in the, the again the liner notes or the the. The insert for the um the disc I don't know if you can call them liner notes anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. They showed like the different them as if they were different characters and they list you know they list him Flay Flave as the Joker and he was known as you know the funny one or the fun one yeah. whatever. Um, but if you listen to 911 as a joke, which is something that he wrote, um, mm-hmm. it's a pretty clever cleverly written song and it's pretty well pretty well done by him. Uh, mm-hmm. And I kind of. Dismissed him because of that big clock around his neck for many years, and because I just prefer Chuck D, and I'm like, I just want to hear Chuck D talk. But I yeah. think it's like you need to have that foil; you need to have somebody else to, to kind of lighten things up every now and then. Um, mm. And I think, weirdly enough, listening to this album again, I, I got to be more respectful of Flavor fire listening to Nine One as a joke again.
0: Mm. And that was that's the song um, that's kind of kind of similar. Similar theme, well, I guess that's kind of the theme of the album, like like you'd said of uh nine one one doesn't doesn't respond to calls from the black community right. as quickly as they would from the white community, so sort of that same idea of whos no one seems to care, nobody seems to care or or when they do care, it's in these pandering and in just almost insulting ways uh, exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah, man, well, I, you know thank you so much for bringing this song to to my attention because I all I knew about Public Enemy was I will sometimes say like I, I think I told you earlier I'll sometimes just say welcome to the Terror Dome uh, I've never heard the song just heard the clip and I think it sounds cool like it's Mad Max or something uh, and that it was very much about you know a, it, it it was about an experience you know the experience in the African American community and a need for change so there was a like a you know political message behind a lot of it but hearing it in action it is both more about the message and not as I don't want to say not as much about the message but but it's it's wrapped up in a great song, which is nice because there's nothing I'd rather avoid than someone just oh I wrote some lyrics and they're really really preachy or they bang you over the head with what you're supposed to think and it's not a good song don't worry just listen to the lyrics. you know if you can you can sneak it in by being a great song that makes one think woo. That is that is a feat, that is that is a feat indeed, and for them to have multiple albums in which that's what they have done is 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 amazing. I, I just never thought about never thought about how hard that must be. It, it,
1: it, it's a, it's fascinating to me too, Rob. I mean, if you if you read the lyrics to this song, I, I can't imagine rapping them until I hear mm-hmm. them. And you know, one of my favorite lines in this song is is Big Daddy Kane what he says, because I every time he says it. I can't imagine being able to figure out how to space out the words that work with the beat. And this is the line. Many intelligent black men seem to look uncivilized when on the screen. Mm -hmm. I mean, how did he do that? Many intelligent black men seem to look uncivilized when on the screen. Like, I guess I figure you to play some Jigaboo on the plantation. What else can a nigga do?
0: The way that he just
1: ran that all down, like water running downhill, and it's so powerful. But that first line, many intelligent black men seem to look uncivilized when on the screen. Oh my gosh. And then later on, that is echoed back in Chuck D just talking in that talking segment when you know how I feel about giving these movies my money. He takes that little breath. You know how I feel about giving these movies my money. I mean, these men know what they're doing. They know how to run the beat, and they know how the beat is running around them, and how the sound is surrounding them. And so what you just said is Perfectly illustrated by the fact that this isn't just a diatribe, this isn't just um, I don't know what what other words use it, but it is so well structured in that way. It's a simple song it's 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 short as you said before, uh, but I love that it sp- spoke to me then and it speaks to me now mm-hmm.
0: now it's we're, I think we're getting to the part where we've talked a lot about why. Why, why, uh, why you like the song? What's special about the song? And I think very different than many other songs that that, that I know I've talked about uh, or guests have brought on to onto the show is is I feel like we've spent a lot of time not so much dissecting the song itself, so much as the themes and the topics that it really really brings up. But I suppose that would be. That's the purpose. I don't think Chuck D's like. What, what do you think about those beats? You like that? I mean, I think his point is, <laughs> how does this make you feel, and th- is this going to affect change in the world? And and that would be his that would be his goal. Um, so so I, I, I'm, I'm glad we had a chance to talk about that because it's I think it's rare to have songs that go beyond just the emotions that the song makes us feel or reminding us of something that we have lived. Uh, perhaps it would be different, you know, for someone else, but certainly this was more about thinking of something I hadn't, I hadn't given much thought to. I mean, honestly, the last time I thought about race in, in Hollywood was, it felt like maybe one or two TV seasons ago, it seemed like there were a lot more, uh, actors of color getting roles that were not sort of, the traditional role that you know they would have gotten ten years. Oh, it's the friend. Oh, it's the criminal. You know, informant. But you know, this is the police detective. This is the main character of the show. But but that just struck me as like, oh, it's it's kind of neat that this seems to be going on more in TV. But you know, then then again, we have the Oscars this year, like you brought up that it's 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 still another year with all all white faces. And you know, does that mean? the same things that it meant for Chuck D. Or was it just a year where, hey, happened to be a bunch of great white, you know, performances from white actors or, you know, or, or does it speak to the to the, to the the issue that Chuck D is bringing up? Right. So why do you think, and, and we might have kind of implied it a bit, but why do you think this should be everyone's song? Why is this song everyone should, should, uh,
1: why should this be our song? Alright.
0: Why should this be our song? Yes. Yeah.
1: Alright. <laughs> I forgot my own line. It's good. That's right. I'm happy to prompt you. I, I've been thinking about this a lot because, you know, you know, you know me. Um, I'm, you know. I really like to prepare. I like to think about this, these types of things. And this, it's been kind of hard for me. Um 'cause because this song uh, caught me at a point in my life and it kind of caught me up short at a certain point in a little embarrassing way. Um I was living with uh, a bunch of college roommates. um uh, we're all white guys. Uh, Mm Um and this is about the time I think, uh, Andrew Dice Clay was really big and, and sort of guiltily we were listening to him and he was doing a lot of like racial crap that, you know, you know, under the guise of doing a character and we were laughing at it because we felt comfortable like, oh, this guy's giving us permission to laugh at these things. Um, and, uh, I think that this song kind of caught me up to go, wait a minute. Um, Check yourself. Check yourself for a second here. Uh, There are things that you don't quite understand, and there's a reason you don't understand them. Um, And so then casting forward, and and this is something that I've really tried to think about a lot this week, Rob. Um, Mm -hmm. There was something between this song and when we got here. There's this, uh, I don't know if you remember the the song by the time we get to Arizona, the Public Enemy did, um, Mm -hmm. that was basically about how a bunch of states weren't honoring MLK. Mm-hmm. weren't saying that Martin Luther King Jr. should have a day, and there was this whole militant song that they did. And every time I heard the word Arizona, I would just think in my head, "By the time I get to Arizona," okay. um, and it was just something that would go in my head. And burn Hollywood to burn is just something that's—I wouldn't call it an earworm. It's just something that trips, trips in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that for me, I think it's an it's important—it's an important song to have an understanding. Um, that when a minority is, uh, is speaking out, that it's not whining. There's a difference between uh, complaining and whining and speaking out, and and having an understanding of what that means. Um, it doesn't just have to be a message. Just having an understanding, having empathy, uh, is I think a really important thing. So why this should be our song is is because I think that with all their 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 weird things in their messages, they're terrible things in their messages somewhat. Um, just having a chance to listen to a song that really moves is a really good song on its own right and, ha- and can also give you a chance to have empathy, I think that's really valuable. Mm.
0: This is very well said. I, I I appreciate the way you characterized the idea of empathy versus versus whining. And I think it's very hard to remember... To, to to bring empathy to it, and there's something yeah there's something about this song like you said that is 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 very empathic. I mean, I know I hadn't thought very much about the idea of you know race in Hollywood, and then listening to the song I me like you know what? I, when when was the last performance that that I think was uh, a you know a, a, a fair a fair uh, representation of you know, a community as a whole, rather than just being like, oh, you're the this or you're the that character because you're this race or you're from this group or you're this ethnicity. And uh, it's really, it's really, uh, it's hard, it's hard to have to think about. It's certainly difficult to talk about um, because again, it's easy for, it's easy for us because everything's kind of implicitly made for, for us, us white guys to watch. And, you know, so I, it's not even like, oh, I don't care about other groups. I just don't, I don't, have any reason to think about it? This entertainment's all kind of made for me. I didn't mean for it to be that way. It wasn't my fault. But hey, I, I have to realize that's that's the world we live in, and be empathetic. Well, I, I so. think it's
1: certainly getting better and better. Uh, mm-hmm. And again, uh, you know, I'm going to admit that there's a lot of Public Enemy's history that I don't agree with. I mean, I don't like mm-hmm. the anti-Semitism, some of the homophobia is crazy weird, uh, some of the stuff that they had to go through to get where they where they went. Um, But I think a song that gives you a chance to have empathy uh, is valuable to listen to regardless. Well put. And I think that's why Burn
0: Hollywood Burn by Public Enemy should now be considered our song. Oh, Mm. yay. (laughs) Public Enemy. Oh, how sweet. Yep. (laughs) Well, Christian, thanks so much for bringing this on. Uh I know we sort of obliquely referred to it, but at some point we got to come back for for uh some Beastie Boys cuz that was the other that was our other choice and I, I definitely wanted to uh definitely want to definitely want to get to them at some point cuz they're they're one of my uh one of my one of my
1: faves. I've got got all their albums. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be happy to do that, but I think that you'll be doing most of the talking cuz I you know, I don't have as much experience. I'm really more of a Paul's boutique, but um, mm-hmm. but anytime, yeah.
0: Beautiful. Oh yeah, Paul's. I mean, that's that's the, that's the seminal work. You know, buy a Beastie Boys album. You should buy Paul's boutique. Hard to find though. Uh, and I was I was I was actually in Brooklyn uh, about a month ago now, and I've I've have even though living in New England, I've been to New York exactly New York City exactly two times in my entire life. So this was the third. And I was, you know what? We're going to Paul's Boutique. we got to go find Paul's Boutique. we got to find that album cover. Uh, and that's my brother. And he was not at all interested in doing that, so we did not get around to it. But, oh, well, maybe someday. Well, Public
1: Enemy was warming up for them, you know.
0: That's so funny to think about the Beastie Boys as being the main act for all these. And I think Run DMC at one point, too, opened for, for the Beastie Boys. I think of them as being little children back then, yeah, yeah. you know, back when, when those bands were coming up, like why would they be? And then sort of think, Oh, that's what, like, they're, they're a great band, but do they rate the same way that public enemy and run DMC do in the hip hop community? I have no idea. Uh, it, it feels like they should have been opening up for, for run DMC or opening up for public enemy. But I guess, I know, isn't that weird? Just, yeah. I I feel the same way. It's weird. It's weird to sort of look back and say, wait, what? <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: But I mean, I guess you know, fight for your right to party. That was a huge, that was a huge hit because it was very palatable, because it was you know three white rappers mm-hmm. and they were they had the you know the rock and roll sound behind them.
1: Oh damn, and well, we were didn't even about talk about anthrax.
0: Gosh darn it, Rob. Ugh. Oh, they did a thing, right? With the, I I feel like I I either heard about them talking about it in an interview, but. The, Public Enemy and Anthrax did a show, or they...
1: They did they yeah. I mean, they bring the noise with Anthrax. I mean, they did this whole rap rock thing. I mean, Public Enemy was totally, I mean... Yeah. Anyway, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean... We're, we're wrapping up the oh. show, and I totally forgot to bring that up. No, no.
0: I mean, just in terms of the, the breadth of, of Public Enemy's musical interests, or, or just in, in terms of having such disparate kind of elements of music...
1: Coming together, chocolate peanut butter style. What it was just being able to reach reach that other that, that other group and make metal and rap come together in this way. Um, I mean, I certainly prefer the Bring the Noise uh, version that's just Public Enemy, but I love the way that. Um, Chuck D has to speed up the rap for the the Anthrax version of it, in the way that the Anthrax dude, and if I forget his name off the top of my head, like gets the rap part of that song himself, and he, mm. he just doesn't have the the ability. But they're so game, and they're so working together, and, and there's so much energy involved, just the energy of rap and and metal together. Uh oh my god oh my gosh. I love I loved that that amalgam. And I remember just being totally into that. And you know, the whole run DMC and Aerosmith thing is kind of another kind of a deal, uh like more the poppy version of that. But watching mm-hmm. um watching uh Public Enemy work together with anthrax was so exciting. There's so much energy there. It's just this 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 combination of energy. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. And I totally forgot to bring that up. Sorry. No, that's okay
0: what well, you 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 just did, yeah, exactly. so it's all good <laughs> it's all in there not none, none of it goes on the cutting room floor <laughs> All
1: right.
0: <laughs> where were we so okay so we've we've talked a lot about public enemy. thank you so much again for the, for the song. thanks for coming on the show and and uh and uh picking up the the podcast signal. I don't know what i would what I would call, <laughs> what I would call it the need the need for another good hip hop episode and and uh having something really to to sync. To sink our teeth into. It's really, really awesome. All right, good. Uh, So for everyone out there, you can. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please rate us on iTunes. Please follow us on follow me on Twitter on playing underscore our song. We have a Facebook page. The website playingoursong.net is where to go to see videos of the performances we're going to talk about and read the lyrics so that you can uh, kind of follow along because I don't want to get sued by playing the entire song on the show. (laughs) Uh, if you know if they ever if they ever noticed, who knows? Uh, <laughs> so this was another in our fun hip hop month entries. Uh, thank you again so much, Christian, for coming on. Uh, do you want to talk about about your show,
1: which is uh, my favorite, my one of my favorite shows? Uh, thank you very much for saying that. It's the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast. Just go over to quarter3.com, and uh, we have a movie podcast we do every week. Um and listen to us uh wax poetic about movies.
0: So if if they don't listen to your show, uh and they're listening to this one, this one comes out after your show, what did you guys just talk about in recording time? <laughs> in re- you will be talking
1: about it, but it already happened. Let me <laughs> the try show to figure out which, which participle We will have been talking about um high rise. Um high dash rise. Uh, the, that's the next was the
0: Tom Hiddleston one? Yeah. Okay. Um,
1: okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, although today I just I have to just sneak this in, Rob. Go for it. Today I went to see a movie called Green Room. Oh,
0: um, I know Tom's been talking about that one. Like it's it, like it's it's the, it's the new hotness, right?
1: Yeah, you really got to go see Green Room if you can. I'm just I'm just it? just between you and me. I don't want any of your listeners to know this. Um, <laughs> but I'm just telling you that you guys really should go see Green Room if you can. Is it playing anywhere? No. Um Is it just LA? You fancy LA folks? <laughs> I think it is just for us fancy LA folks. But when it, it comes around, uh, and it is, there's a little bit of gore going on, so just be with that. Uh, so don't take the kids, please. Uh, but. <laughs> oh, so
0: uh, rats, so. so. But
1: right before doing this, and this is why I'm a little bit hyper during this, is because I just got away from a movie that I really, really liked. Um, mm. It's by the guy who uh, directed a movie called Blue Ruin a couple of years ago which is also really good. Um, but yeah, the, but anyway, the, the podcast we just did is called High Rise. It's by a guy named Ben Wheatley who did a movie called Sightseers that was on my top 10 list a couple of years ago.
0: Excellent. I, for some reason, thought you guys were seeing Tower Heist, which is a comedy with Ben Stiller that I think came out like three years ago. I was very confused. Um, we did
1: we did a podcast of Tower Heist. Don't make, you did Tower Heist? Don't make us go back to that. How dare you? Oh. Man. You guys do a lot of
0: shows. I can't keep them all. I can't keep them all. I remember the good ones about the movies. Oh, I gotta go see that. I gotta see that. But uh, that one, I didn't. I, I didn't need to see again. And you know, I haven't seen any other Tower movies.
1: Uh, the great thing about our show is that if, if there's a movie you can't stand or don't want to see, you can still listen to us and get a laugh out of it.
0: Yes, I. <clears throat> well, I know your your podcast is the. It saved me a lot of money. Well, I don't have time to go to the movies anyway, but I have a little more than I used to. But uh, it it's it's the greatest uh, way to pretend I saw a ton of movies, and then you guys sneak in other movies you saw. So it's really nice. I, I have sounded so intelligent at so many gatherings about movies. Uh, so if you're ever hanging out with me, folks in the audience, and I say, I heard that movie was – good that it's probably because Christian or one of his other uh, co-hosts said that and I'm just ripping them off so, so sorry Christian I've stolen all your ideas and they're now mine I apologize we're happy to be
1: your Cliff Notes.
0: <laughs> well uh, so for everyone out there hope you enjoyed the episode remember to check out the quarter to three movie podcast which already came out so either listen to the one that already happened or the one that's coming out next week on on Monday uh, or go back listen to them all it's a great way to, to catch up on movies you missed uh, and then also continue listening listening here to us as we continue hip hop week for the rest of well April's over, but we'll continue a little into May as well. Yay. <laughs> that makes me Christine, pretty
1: happy.
0: Oh good yeah, it's 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 the it's the easiest way to learn something new is to force yourself to talk about it for three to five hours over the span of many weeks. <laughs> Uh, So, Christian, thanks again for coming on. Uh, Everyone remember to thank Christian so he comes back on again. Uh, And and, uh, keep listening to the show, but uh, we'll be back next week. But until then, remember, it's your song, so play it long and play it loud. Bye.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, today's feature presentation, Driving Miss Daisy. No, oh, no man. No. Just, I, boom, just boom, boom, what I'm, I'm talking about. terms of the dimming shit. Yeah, I'm man.
0: out of here, man. Hey, yo, check it out, man. I got black seas at the crib, man. Y'all want to go check that out? Yeah. That's
1: the idea. Could, we could have rolled it from the beginning. Y'all, with it, Fuck
0: Hollywood, man.